I remember listening to you on the Say the Damn Score pod, and we'd email back and forth, because I was trying to figure out how to listen to your broadcasts, and <clears throat> you've been the voice of Bradley for how long? I just finished my 41st year. 41st year, huh? 41. Wow. Uh, the 79-80 season. Dick Versace's second year here as head coach of Bradley. And nice. they went to the NCAA tournament for the first time since 1954. Hey, and y'all did that last year. And you did it again this year. Yeah, unfortunately, we didn't get a chance to play this year, but certainly did last year and played Michigan State down to the last minute of the game. So uh, it was a chance we could have played them again. I doubt if they would have matched the two, but uh, they were really looking forward to playing because they were playing at a very high level. I think all the teams that were made that were the AQ were looking forward to playing in this year's tournament. Right. So how did you get started on your journey to being where you are? But like, who was your mentor that gave you the piece of advice that quit for you? Harry Carey. Really? Yes. Um, I met Harry when I was a, um, a junior in high school and his very good friend was Pete Benakin who lived in Peoria and I could do an impersonation of Harry so he introduced me to him and I had been listening to Harry since my dad took me to a first St. Louis Cardinals baseball game back in 1963 and uh, finally I had a chance to meet him and uh, he helped me along the way in my career and um, I uh, wound up doing high school play-by-play -play for uh, Pekin High School, where I grew up. How was and, that high school team that you called back then? How good were they? Uh, they were really, they were really good. Right before I started doing the play-by-play, -play. they had won state championships in nineteen. It's been, it been amazing how when you start, you can't find, you can't get a state championship before you start. They're doing all kinds of things that probably won't even be accomplished again. Yeah, because uh, there's that that in those days it was a one class tournament, and now they have uh, four different classes uh, in both, uh, uh, or they have four in one uh, A, two A, three A, and four A. Yeah, like we have here. Now we and got they, five all the way down. They used to get uh, standing room only crowds when like the Peoria team would play the Chicago team, and now they can't half fill the the arena. So, uh, that's, that's yeah. So I started doing high school games and then, uh, but when I got into college, uh, I did uh, some play by play for some high school teams. And then, uh, also, also worked television with, uh, with Bradley in addition to work, uh, television in Peoria. The start of you sliding over to the radio side or were you, I started on the radio side. Than... I started on the radio side and I prefer radio to television. I, after uh, those first few years at Bradley, when I was working on a cable uh, station with a friend of mine, uh, I started doing radio and never, and never left it because it's theater of the mind, you paint pictures and, and uh, you can do the call of the game much more uh, descriptively uh, when you do it uh, in radio, because television, obviously, they can see what happens. So I graduated from Bradley in 76. I was a 
sports information director and also uh, an anchor on television while taking a full load of classes. So that was a busy time. And then I worked for the Phoenix Suns for a year after I graduated, came back and did high school games until 79 and was hired at uh, WMBD and uh, have done the Bradley games ever since. So you must have worked with the legendary Al McCoy. I know Al very well. In fact, I learned a lot from him and other broadcasters uh, that would come in, Bill King, Chick Hearn. Uh, Love their styles. Uh, yes, and so what you do, it's, it's like a coach that uh, takes a little bit of this and a little bit of that and develops his own style and in his coaching philosophy, and it's the same way with a broadcaster. You take a little bit of what you are and some of the things that have worked for other people. And uh, I asked Chick Hearn once, when he came in with the Lakers, what is the best place, uh, way to prepare for a game? And he said, there is no way. It's the way that works for you. And smart I never guy. That. Yeah, very smart. Best, best uh, uh, basketball announcer that ever lived, in my opinion. Agreed. But I, I kind of try to listen to as many of them as I can. Even though Shoney has done the Spurs for a while, arguably, he's been there for a while. He's done pretty well for himself. Oh, yeah, for sure. And uh, Al uh, was a not only a terrific announcer, Al McCoy, but he was mm -hmm. a, a great man as well. Hey, what, what was your interaction like with him off mic with Al McCoy? Like, what things do you feel like you learned from him off the mic besides on it? You mean as far as his broadcasting is concerned or just Al in general? combination of both well he was very excited about uh, he, he, he he painted a great picture mm -hmm. and that's always what a radio broadcaster wants to do is to paint the picture and then um, after that uh, he just had phrases that worked <laughs> one that uh, that I have have used is when you're on the floor or where you, depending on where you are broadcasting from yeah you can usually tell when the ball leaves the hand of a player, whether it's going in or not. So one of the phrases I, I use that, uh, that Al used is, uh, looks good is good. Now, I've not used that one because I can't see, I can't see the ball coming out of the uh, you can person's tell, hand. In, in fact, but I can hear. A, when you call a game and you know from the angle that you have, the shot is not going in, as soon as he released it, you can say, that's going to be no good. And uh, it, it, that just is, after doing games for so many years, you can, you can tell when it leaves a, a player's hand when, it, when it's going good. is even like a free throw. If mm -hmm. a free throw is too hard, uh, you can usually tell that off the hand. Now that you always have the rim that will help you in that case. But sure. usually in a jump shot or a three-point shot, as soon as it leaves the guy's hand, you know, or the, the girl's hand, you, you pretty much know that it's in. So uh, I got that from Al, too. When you started, were you using the reel-to-reel, the splice tape, or the um, razor that everybody likes to talk about, where if you mess it up, you have to restart it all over again? Or what was your process until now when you started? Well, I, I taped everything and, and would critique it. Uh, sometimes I used, uh, in, in the beginning, I used too many nicknames. I got too excited at, uh, at the 
the wrong times uh, or I over was overexcited on everything and didn't really have a ch chance to pace myself. Those are the things you learn very quickly uh, by listening and listening to other people is, uh, is how you prepare your craft because you have to be descriptive. And if you're shouting all the time, you can't really be, you're, you're having a conversation uh, with, uh, with the audience is what you're doing. And you, you have to treat it as such. And if things get exciting, then you do that with your voice. And if they're bad, you do that with your voice and uh, you just have to control that emotion to some extent and re realize your number one object is to uh, to inform the public and make them see the game in their imagination. They call radio theater of the mind and I think that's uh, that's very apt. How, how do you still go get complete games and go back and critique yourself or how do you still do highlights or well, I, I count on a lot of people that uh, will tell me honestly uh, what uh, what I do when they listen um, if they're video highlights because sometimes they're overdubbed on the audio mm -hmm. then you can really see it you can see your description free throw line extended left block weak side rebound those are phrases that those are basketball phrases that most mm -hmm. basketball people can understand. If the ball is on the left side or and uh, it comes out on the right, you say it's a weak side rebound. Most people know what that is, or if there's a putback on the strong side, they know that as well. So uh, I have people that listen and uh, and can give me honest critiques on that. I don't tape a lot anymore. Because um, remember one thing Jack Buck would always say: When do you realize that you're that you're really a professional and proficient at what you do? And he said, When you don't have to ask the question. <laughs> Smart advice. Yeah, he was he was he was a brilliant and very a wonderful man. So that's that's why I do a lot of uh, work. I teach here at Bradley, and uh, and try to pass along to anyone. Uh, that ask uh, their help because people helped me when I was growing up and uh, now it's as I uh, get along I'm 65 now and uh, it's it's time to pass along the baton so that when I do call it quits somebody can walk right in here and and be it'd be very very good how much longer do you feel like you have with you I mean I'm not asking like, like well it's I will go as long as I can physically do it and sure. mentally do it. And mm -hmm. I have people checking me all the time uh, because if I slip, uh, if I start to slip and people tell me that I'm slipping, then I'll step aside because the uh, broadcasting um, uh, it's getting background here, uh, I, do, I never want to disgrace the, uh, the position here. And the broadcast game feels like it's getting younger and younger. Yeah, well, it is. Um, unfortunately, there are more short, shortcuts that are being used now. Yeah. Um, I feel, I, I listen to a, a lot of people, and I know that the, there are more opportunities with high school and, 
and people learning the business, but there, there just are no shortcuts to getting there. Exactly. And uh, sometimes you can listen to a, a broadcast time mm -hmm. and score and just the basic fundamentals of, uh, of calling a game. The important things that you do in the last, I teach this in my classroom. What are the three most important things in a close game that you time and score last five minutes time and score is is throughout the entire game every score that's made you must say the name of the two schools because mm -hmm. if you say somebody leads by four and somebody's just tuned in they have no idea what you're talking about so you would say uh, team a 45 team b 39 14 15 to go in the in the game or something like that uh so that's that's being descriptive and the other thing is uh, in the last five minutes possession arrow timeouts left and the foul situation those I are the to, things you have to give i try to keep up on those but sometimes you're doing high school games it's hard to keep up with when you're doing the game where the game's you know at a frantic pace and everybody's trying to move quickly it's hard to try to squeeze everything in unless you can get a stoppage and blood. You know what? I saw a game for the first time, a high school game earlier this year because Jeremy Crouch, who played for Bradley and was a, is a Hall of Famer, mm -hmm. he had uh, he was going into the Hall of Fame here at Bradley, mm -hmm. and that and that was in an afternoon game against Evansville. So that night, I went to my old high school where Jeremy went to school, mm -hmm. and I watched the game, and I noticed a couple of things. One, no shot clock in high school basketball. Definitely no shot clock. And secondly, the teams both played zone and <laughs> the score was eight to three after the first quarter. And I go, this is really difficult to watch. Yeah, and I was gonna ask you about that. Like if you have two teams that play almost mirror image basketball or whatever sport of each other, how do you figure out how you, as a voice of a team like the voice of Bradley, if you're playing a team that almost plays almost everything as your team does, how do you tell the difference? Well, it uh, you do then in your prep, you pretty much know that in your prep work, how they play, so you'll know how to frame the game uh, within that context. Uh, Bradley, when they would play this year, Southern Illinois, who was among the top 10 teams in the lowest uh, pace of play, mm -hmm. knew that that's what they were going to do. Jim Molinari used to do it at Bradley. He used to play defense and uh, and hold the ball offensively, which also adds to your defense. Sure. So uh, I knew going into the games in Carbondale uh, that it, it would be a rather low-scoring game. And in fact, Mike Reese, who's a very good friend of mine, uh, when Bradley played Southern at the tournament this year, he said, uh, first team to 60 should win. <laughs> Right so the first team to 50. It was it was 65 60 was the final score or something oh like that, 64 to 59. So uh I mean it, when you do your prep work, it really helps you to prepare for a game that is relatively even and low scoring. And um and that's where fouls and foul trouble comes in because free throws obviously uh, stop the clock and add points. So it, it the prep there's there's still from when I started till now, there's no substitution for your preparation. I, I know I, when we talk about tournament play, 
Yeah. They seem like they're, it seems like it ratchets up no matter what level because regular season's over with. You know what seed you're going to be. You know, if you get a double buy or if you get a single buy or if you have to play opening day. Right. But it, it feels like, as broadcasters, we get to tournament play. It feels like the energy, the air, everything is much more electrified in postseason competition than any other competition. Yeah, and that's the same way with uh, really any level of basketball in high school when the tournaments, when you're one and done, there's a, uh, it's desperation. And so you play a little bit more. You do that in tournament play. Yep. You do that uh, in the NBA. You know, the, the NBA regular season goes on and on and on and on. <sighs> we get to the playoffs, just like in hockey, everything gets notched up a little bit. And uh, it makes, uh, that's why it's so, uh, so popular is because uh, the playoffs, when you get to the playoffs, everything some, uh, is magnified. There's something about it when you get there. Because you're dealing with like, man, is this a game ever going to end? And then all of a sudden it flies by and you're like, whoa. Yeah. How do we get to tournament play? Yeah, seasons go really fast. I guess as you get older, they go even faster. But uh, you start playing uh, Valley games in the last days of December. And before you know it, you're talking about uh, where is your team going to be seated in a tournament? It goes by so quickly. And a lot of it's because there are two games a week, usually in most conferences. And so uh, you're always doing games and they mount up very quickly after, uh, after a short period of time, it's all, it's all uh, carved into uh, really uh, January and February. And then you're talking about postseason already. So there's a lot of basketball in a short period of time. Has probably always been just a basketball school. I did football um, on the high school level. I never did college football. Um, it just has not been available here. Ah, okay. and so, uh, but uh, I enjoy watching the sport. My favorite sport is baseball. I really enjoy doing baseball. And I think a lot of broadcasters uh, that started out started listening to baseball on the radio. And uh, that is their favorite. I just happened to uh, come to a place that is basketball crazy in a town that uh, supports its team. And, um, and so therefore, since I'm an alum here, that's why I stay, I've stayed so long and tried to do uh, a credible job for the legions of fans that we have here. What is it about the Missouri Valley? Because I asked Art Haynes this yesterday, and what it is it about the Valley? It may not be a top five, like one of the big trees, but what allows the Missouri Valley to hang with the teams like from the SEC, Big Ten, and so on and so forth that gives them a puncher's chance come tournament time? Well, to do that, you have to have depth on your team. You have to have, uh, because usually when the so-called mid-majors play against the Power Fives mm -hmm. in the NCAA tournament, where the Power Fives go with their second team, and they're really as not much different than the first team. Right. And a mid-major, for the most part, it has been that you have maybe seven, eight players that play most of the minutes. Mm -hmm. And if you go against a team that's bigger and stronger, you're going to get in foul trouble. So therefore your, uh, your bench is, is really important. 
And as of late, the Valley has produced teams that have a better bench than the years previous. And so that's how they're competing. Not only do the starters play well and can uh, stay with them, but they bring specialized players off the bench that are very good defensively or three-point shooters or ball handlers and uh, can match up a little bit better because they're deeper with those teams. And that's why I think the Valley has had some success in the, uh, in the last decade. Certainly Loyola had it. They had depth. They had a great uh, pivot man who was very young, and they surrounded him with veteran guards. That's how they got to the Final Four. That's how Wichita State did it. Yep. And uh, Northern Iowa's been to the Sweet 16. Southern Illinois has been to the Sweet 16. Bradley's been there. Uh, Missouri State's program is always very good. So uh, I think night in and night out, you have great coaches yep. that compete and uh, they they battle and whoever comes out of that tournament usually represents the valley pretty well i thought bradley did a terrific job last year against michigan state that should have been a number one seed and uh, took him down to the last minutes of the game and had a chance to win and i think that that's going to be more commonplace as time goes on i would like to see the uh, valley's team schedule better in the preseason so they can uh, can get more than one team in. But the fact of the matter is that uh, Power Fives do not want to play. Teams from the Missouri Valley, first of all, they know they're, they're good. Secondly, they can't afford to lose on the road and, or at home. Mm-hmm. So they try to stay away from uh, teams from our league, which makes it difficult to schedule. And that's why you have uh, uh, Valley teams playing Division Two teams and uh, and lower level division ones, and that means you have to win the tournament to make it because that's not going to impress the uh, the committee. So it's a it's a catch twenty two. Those teams aren't going to schedule unless well, you play them in a Thanksgiving tournament. You can get in there and make some hay there, but you got to win. All the coaches you dealt with and built friendships with and partnerships with. What do you feel like each coach has brought to you as a broadcaster and maybe you to them as a coach? Well, I've been very fortunate because the high school coach there at the time won two state championships and, and was a really defensive guy. He really uh, studied defenses. And I went on and was best friends with Tony Baroni, who was assistant coach at Bradley and then coached at Creighton and Texas A&M and then with the Grizzlies. I learned a lot of defense, a lot of offensive sets from them. I've learned from our head coach now, Brian Wardle. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jim Les, when he was here, played in the NBA. Mm-hmm. So there was that aspect. And Stan Albeck played in the NBA and coached George Gervin. So uh, I have gleaned a lot offensively and defensively for those, uh, from those gentlemen. And the whole key is to have uh, a great relationship and know that they can trust you so that when they tell you something, it won't come back. Because once you violate that trust, you might as well hang it up because uh, you are not uh, you don't have that relationship with a coach where, first of all, he trusts you, and second of all, you can learn from him. All the student-athletes you've dealt with over the years, what do you feel like you brought to them and vice versa with the student-athletes when you talk to them, when you're, with, when you're around them? Oh, it's 
it's amazing here and, and elsewhere how intelligent these guys are. Mm-hmm. And uh, you have to because your time management, which you learn uh, being a student athlete in any uh, Division One or any program for that matter, with when to study, when to uh, practice, and, and to excel in the classroom, not just to be there, uh, because you're there to learn and graduate and make yourself better for the next step, uh, step in your life when you don't, uh, yep. when, when, you're, when your basketball days are over. And uh, I just in, am just amazed with how intelligent these young people are. And it helps keeps me young. I mean, <laughs> uh, I learn from them. I, I learn social media. I learn what makes them tick. We've got mechanical engineers playing uh, all kinds of sports here, things that I could not even begin to grasp. So in, in dealing with them, they're kind of like uh, my kids, and I learn from them as much as they learn from me. And again, that's, again, trust. That's uh, developing, developing a relationship with a player. If they stay for four years, which doesn't happen everywhere. Uh, when they graduate, you cry along with the parents because you have that relationship with the, uh, uh, with the student athlete. So uh, uh, it, it makes college athletics what it is, uh, at least in most places. Sometimes they're just using the school to go to the next level, and that's mm-hmm. unfortunate. The one-and-done people that go on and make a whole lot of money are missing an experience uh, that uh, that will stay with them for the for those that do it for the rest of their lives. It's the uh, best four years of their life because they're going from being young men and women into young uh, young boys and girls into young men and women. And to watch that process take place is uh, makes what we do very very valuable and, and very rewarding. And seem to also be husband, wives, and whatever sure. they decide to be in their fields. Absolutely. It, it makes the, the things they learn uh, will, will uh, benefit a marriage, which is kind of like a basketball game. Sometimes <laughs> you turn it over and, and it is difficult. And, uh, and also what a coach does in, in getting the best out of uh, the student-athletes or her getting this out of the student-athletes um, will serve well for uh, when they have uh, kids of their own and and trying to discipline and making them the best people that they can be. What do you feel like you have left to accomplish as the voice of the Braves? What do you feel like you haven't accomplished on your bucket this year? Um, I just always try to get better because if you don't learn and get better, you might as well quit. <laughs> Uh, because uh, there's always something that you can learn. There's always something that you can do better. There's always a phrase or something that will add to the enjoyment of the uh, of your audience. And sometimes that evolves, and sometimes it just happens. And those are the things I look forward to. I give uh, uh, O. Henry candy bars to Deshaun Henry <laughs> after every game. Oh, wow. And because uh, when he hits a basket, I usually yell, oh, Henry. And now people are carrying candy bar signs into the arena. <laughs> and, and so that is, that's, that's another thing that just adds to it. You never know when you're going to have something like that happen 
that connects you with a young man for the rest of their lives. Willie Scott played for the 1982 NIT champions and he was so fast and so quick. So I called him the road runner. And to this day, people call him that. So basically sometimes a nickname will just stick because it's something you use. Yeah. And you, and you don't use it on the air all the time, but you do play with it every once in a while. And sure. uh, it, it adds to the, the fans excitement because all we are is a conduit between the players and the coaches and the fans. And um, so it, it's uh, it works both ways. They give you joy and, and, uh, and thrills and you try to give back a little bit uh, that of your own personality and yourself and the way that you call a game. The most important thing is to conduct your, yourself in a way at all times that's going to reflect good on uh, your personality and you're representing a uh, either a radio or a television station or the university you broadcast from and I think that's that's vital I think uh, you you don't you, you talk to everyone and and get their uh, their background and their stories and then you can tell yours and that's what makes the brotherhood of broadcasting so wonderful and uh when we go to St. Louis with the tournament, it's like a, uh, a family reunion of sorts for the broadcasters. What is it about the Missouri Valley Conference of broadcasters that make them so good with the craft that they do? Plus with you being in that mix and all the other veterans that have been around a while, like in your mind, what do you feel like as well, I think it's because they're the broadcasters as good as they are. I think it's longevity that they've been there for so long and they're such a big part of the fan base uh, that that it makes uh, makes it enjoyable to see to go to a place and see one of your friends that uh, that make that come up and, and say things of, uh, about uh, the broadcaster of, of the game and, and how they listen and, and all of those things. And, and that's, that makes you feel good that they are respected so much in their home, uh, home arena and, uh, and with their fan base. And that means a lot to me too, because those guys are my friends and I enjoy listening to them as, uh, as much as, uh, as anything else. And now you can do that, of course, with the technology around, you can listen to anybody. I do enjoy listening to your work and the guys in the Valley when I get a chance, it's not often, but, when I do, when I can find them on TuneIn, of course, when they're screaming. You know, and, and it's, uh, we've got new broadcasters in the last couple of years at Drake, of course, and, and there's, Larry Kotler is one of my best friends. I mean, uh, so, uh, you know, you, you grieve in those situations. Yeah, because I heard he had died, but I wasn't sure. Like, he, he had died in a, a, in a, a flood. It happened in Des Moines over a year and a half ago now. Oh, wow. And uh, so, and, and there's, there's a new broadcaster at Evansville is very good, but most of the guys have been there a while. Uh, Brian Fritz has been uh, 21 years, I think, 20, 21 years at Indiana State. Vic Ludke over at Illinois State has been there forever. Mike Reese, of course, and I talk all the time. Mm -hmm. Art Haydens and I talk all the time. Gary Ryman and I talk all I mean, everybody in the league is, is really a fraternity. And, uh, and now it, it includes the broadcasters, John Rooney, 
who uh, is just outstanding. I listen to John all the time. So do I. <laughs> baseball. So and, do I. Uh, so when John and I get together, we talk about the Cardinals just as much as we do basketball. So, I wish you could find a way to get in touch with him. I would love to get him on the pod because he's been one of my favorites since back in the days I was him on the White Sox and yeah. the NCAA tournament. Yeah, he, when he uh, was the he's, a, he's a terrific broadcaster, but he's even a better guy. And uh, he, he's just a delight to talk with. And that's one of my highlights of the Valley Tournament, too, is sitting down with him and having lunch and uh, and, and the sports information directors, too. And they've been in there for a long time. It's a... Uh, it's a wonderful business to work, and uh, work is a, is a word that I really don't use with it. It's, uh, it's enjoyment. You just, I, it's hard to believe they pay you to do this stuff. When you hang up the headset, what do you hope your legacy is of the voice of the Braves and beyond? Uh, that he was a good person, <laughs> and that uh, he entertained. And uh, he was passionate about what he did. And, um, and to respect the, uh, I, I hope that I did something to add to the legacy of the great broadcasters that have worked here before. And then uh, I, I think that would be the way to answer that. You've been more than kind to do this because I normally, you know, I know this is probably last minute. I know I emailed you on Sunday to see if you could do this. And... Just working on my taxes, Luther. <laughs> aren't we? Aren't you all? I mean, yeah. With 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 everything going on now, with everything being canceled and shuffled around, and yeah. the unknowing and the unsure of everything. Yeah, it's. Uh, I feel sorry for the spring athletes. It's, you know, they they especially the seniors. Started. Yeah. Barely got started. I hope they get eligibility next year. So I think I saw something where I think they had they were working with the NCAA compliance or something like that. That yeah, they they were going to get that extra year if I if I read on Twitter correctly. Well, they're and they're somewhere. looking into it. Uh, nothing's for sure. And well, something like that. I know I know yeah, they were right. talking about it. Right. So and uh, I hope they get it too because it would be it would be sad and shameful if those players that committed to a university wanted to come to that university to play a particular sport because of the unknown with this virus and everything like that wouldn't get the chance to do that yeah they're uh, i know everybody's disappointed but uh everybody's got to uh realize what we're dealing with here and uh it's something that's out of our control Right, and and don't worry about the things you can't control. Exactly. I, I try stay to calm. That every day, yeah. But stay you stay calm. healthy too, and it's been great to uh, be on with you. No, thank you for actually allowing me to get, to take some of your time. All right, <laughs> and hopefully get to it, hopefully get a chance to do it again. Hopefully, under better circumstances, and we can actually talk about some basketball. Yeah, that's for sure. Have a good one. Enjoy. Thank you, thank you, sir. Uh, Appreciate uh, it. Right. Uh, bye bye.